Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. February 6, 2020 on the Mike Abadir Show. Gino Bacola, co-host here alongside Mike Abadir, as always. And Mike, it is, uh, it's been a funny kind of last few years as far as the teams that we root for in baseball. We locked up against each other a few years ago in the World Series. And now recently, a really big trade went down between the Dodgers and the Red Sox. Yeah, and we'll find out today a little bit maybe more details as to uh, why it's held up um, between you and I. I, it, I don't I think, think it, that there's going to be anything that's going to prevent it from going through. No, no. I think they'll just find another player to um, – I mean, obviously, as a Red Sox fan, I'm like, please screw up the deal somehow. Let this, uh, let's at least have Mookie for one more year, you know. I think but, it was the prospect that the Twins were sending correct. to the Red Sox. That, Got a roll, that, I believe yeah. was his name. It, and, uh, there was something with he, – he Which is kind of funny, injured. by the way, because did you hear that they were like kind of playing these games? Like, oh, we don't even know if he's a starter or a reliever. Yeah. Yes, man. They, yeah. Those, they, they know exactly how they'd utilize him. I don't think it's like a buyer's remorse, though. I think he really does have a – Whatever for whatever reason the doctors just haven't cleared him yet. But so set set the stage a little bit for the people that didn't hear. So um, who did Boston give up in the trade? Who did Boston get back in the trade? Obviously, the headliner is Mookie Betts, and it's a um, it's pretty much a salary dump. That's the play, and I think one of the things that I'm going to be interested to speak to uh, Matthew Corey uh, about, who's going to be our first guest, and. For our regular listeners, you remember may remember him. Um, we've had him on several times. He used to write for The Athletic. Um, now he works for several other publications. But want to get his insight into the real deal here. We're talking about the luxury tax threshold. That's what Boston's been up against the last couple of years. They had to shell out $12 million two years ago, $13 million last year. But for Boston, wouldn't you think that is nominal money? Wouldn't you think that's Ah, peanuts? man. I don't understand I'm, it really. As, like I don't truly get it. No, it doesn't make sense. This is the team that just won the World Series. This is the team that's been competitive. This isn't the team that's like starving for cash and hasn't been winning games or selling tickets. I believe that the tickets to Fenway Park are the most expensive in the in baseball. Yeah, uh, I believe yeah. I read something like that. And they that. sell out all the time. You yeah. know. And so I mean, I'm as a Dodger, I was just jumping for joy here because th- this trade worked out beautifully for the Dodgers. And, and you know what, if you're the Red Sox and like Mookie's going to go, if, if like, let's say this, the, just the point of tra- trading Mookie at all is stupid in my opinion. And even, okay, you want to get away from some of the price salary, but this is a guy who really did help you a couple years ago. He helped you win a world series. He has, yeah. he had a bad year last year, but most of Boston just kind of had a down year. The entire pitching staff did. Exactly. You know, a, a lot of times your arms after a, a World Series run, you, you were just asked to do a lot and your arms are just kind of jello the next year. You know, you need a, a year or two to kind of bounce back. And 
you know, I'm I'm jumping for joy as a Dodger fan. The Dodgers didn't have to give up any of their real top tier prospects. They gave up. Yeah, a you were just about to ask me who, who, who you know, what was the deal, and I just kind of stopped that movie. Yeah, yeah. But no, yeah, was, Verdugo is really the main guy that they'd be getting from the Dodgers in terms of mainstream, you know, players that people know, right? And I'm surprised. Like, if I was Boston, and I, I don't know the deals of like the the inside info for the three team deal and like who wanted what, you know, um, as far as the the lesser of the players. But, like, if I was Boston. I would have wanted Maeda back, who who tw- the Twins got. Like Maeda's a really solid, versatile pitcher. He's awesome out of the bullpen. In Boston, he would definitely be a rotation guy. He would be, you know, he's a legitimate like number three, four back at the end. Now, how, like, how old is Kenta now? Uh, you know, like low thirties. And okay, so it's and not he's like got, he's... and he's under contract for another, I think four, like four more years at very, very like very reasonable money. He. He is actually like I, I'm. I was kind of bummed to see him go because he's been someone like in the in playoff time who's been like one of the Dodgers' most dependable pitchers out of the bullpen. Yeah, he's the pretty consistent. Thing, yeah, the only thing is, is that we he's been unhappy for a while with the Dodgers because they got him on a really good deal that had a lot of like bonus incentives in it. And so what the Dodgers unfortunately did the last couple of years, which was better for the team, it wasn't like they were trying to like screw Kenta out of his money or anything, but he wouldn't really hit a lot of his innings max limits in order to like actify all the, the bonuses. So he was like costing himself a ton of money every time they would move him to the bullpen towards the, like the back half of the year. And it would really, really hurt. It was like just kind of cr- crushing his contract. So he'll go to Minnesota now, which is really funny because Minnesota is going to have uh, Kenta Maeda and Rich Hill in their starting rotation and Homer Bailey, who is like a Dodger, but not really a Dodger. But they'll yeah. have, uh, um, mi- mi- you know, the whole thing in, in this Minnesota in this offseason has really upgraded themselves a little bit. And we'll, we'll talk about them in a second. But Boston, you get back a young pitcher from Minnesota and you get Alex Verdugo, who I mean, like Alex Verdugo last year when he was starting to play all the time when the Dodgers had some injuries, he was legitimately getting like all-star consideration. He's a very good player. He's just not the type of guy who's ever going to like probably hit more than like 25. He's not like a 40 to 45 home run power type guy. He may be like a 280 to 300 type guy, like solid player, but not, you know, he's not going to be Mookie. Here's the thing, you know, I'm guessing that they probably, yeah, when you're when you're getting rid of prices, salary, you know, when there's a salary dump for price too, you, you know, there's going to be some limitations in terms of the prospects that you get back. But I have a feeling that he was kind of the the guy that they said we have to construct the deal around getting him. Sure. In other words, I guess what I'm saying is I think they might they must be high on him. You know, obviously he was what and he's top, good. Top yeah, thirty I like, MLB I like prospect. I like him uh, a lot. Yeah, I mean he was what top thirty in, in all of the bigs in terms of. And ranking, the only reason right? why he's not is because he's a little bit older. Like he's just been in the major leagues now a little bit. You've seen a little bit more of him, so like you kind of know what he is now. And he's he's a very good player. Like there's no well when 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 you say older in terms of baseball maturity, but he's still twenty three. Yeah, yeah, so he's yeah. Still, you know, he's he's, but, he's, he's got the been, baseball maturity. Yes, yeah, as far as just like he's not 19 years old, just drafted out of high school, you know, someone like that um, when they can, they consider prospects because those are the ones, the younger ones always are the ones with the most upside. But um, he, I, I liked him a lot. I mean, he was a very good player. I, I loved him in the lineup. He gives you a good at bat. He does not strike out a whole lot, which is really good. He's just, he's a good hitter. Um, I just was. He yeah, batted 294 last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a center fielder. Uh, so he would, you know, fill that outfield gap. And, 
a left-handed hitter, and I could see him maybe, you know, I'll tell you this much. In the National League, we have a lot more spacious ballparks. Who knows? He he may be able to pepper the heck out of the ball. And that's why I say I think Boston's scouting reports must say, you know, based on on his hitting style um, and how he's able to go oppo, you know, if he takes advantage and and kind of figures out how to play pepper off that wall – he might be kind of like that 315, 320 hitter. Remember, it took um, uh, Devers a little bit of time to kind of figure out how to hit in that stadium. And once he did, you know, he became lethal. Just boom, you know what I mean? So I'm thinking that they're kind of hoping, hey, look, he was a a top-rated prospect in the Dodgers organization, top-rated in in all of the minor league system, you know, a top-30 guy, and um, he's just kind of the odd man out because the Dodgers just have this, you know, a, t- a ton of great players. Just, just of young to talent, too. Frankly. Yeah, I mean, you well, know. he got he got banged up. He 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 got banged up towards the end of the year last year, and that's what you know that's what hurt him. He just kind of really couldn't get back to being healthy. And I mean, I like him. He and people. He was one of these guys who like really when he was younger, uh, like a year or two ago, he kind of had like they, they people were talking about him having attitude issues. That's not dude. I mean, that's not even the case at all. He's a really really cool. He's like one of those really hungry players who wants it bad they said something you know in spring training he said something like i think i should be the starter i want to be the starter right now he said that a couple years ago and a few people kind of got rubbed the wrong way by that And it's like what do you want a player to say i'm not good enough to be here <laughs> you know what i mean it's like of course that's, that's what every player and wants look, to say you you want you 100%, want your, i love him you want your I, guys I really like to be him. able to say that you know so yeah and, you know and you know it'll be interesting too as we uh you know transition to our first guest you know, it's pretty cool because us being here in L.A., we're very familiar with Verdugo's game. You know, so I'm kind of curious. And I know Matthew is a West Coaster, uh, you know, from the West Coast, but has been, you know, a Red Sox writer for, for a long time covering the team. Matthew, good afternoon. You're on with Mike and Gino. How are you, buddy? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. We're actually just, you know, really getting into this conversation about, you know, the, the, the trade, and, and we know that it's been held up a little bit, and we can kind of get into uh, the latest on Gratterall, the uh, pitching prospect from Minnesota. But what we were just talking about right now is, you know, I, I'm kind of hypothesizing that the Red Sox must really like Verdugo. You know, the Dodgers have so many prospects. Um, this must have been the guy that they've kind of been eyeing for a while. What, what are you hearing? Yeah, I think, I think that's true. I mean, certainly that's, uh, if, you know, if not been directly reported, then it's a, you know, you've, you've heard his name mentioned in a lot of the, um, you know, the, of the rumors of, of this deal that's been going back, you know, really weeks. Um, and, and it's not surprising. He's a pretty good young player and he's sort of like, um, no, he's he's no nowhere near Mookie Betts, but he's good at a lot of different things. Um, you know, do any big league comps come to mind, hitter. Matthew? Do any big league comps come uh, to mind? It's hard because he he just hasn't played in the majors that much. I mean, last season, you know, the the power wasn't huge, um, the on base wasn't huge either, but both of them were you know perfectly fine. Um, uh, maybe maybe a sort of Trot Nixon kind of guy, you know, a, a, a sort of above average across the board. Sure. Uh, Nixon obviously had the platoon split issue that um, you know hopefully Verdugo doesn't have, but um, but you know so somebody who's going to be an average to above average, 
you know, right fielder. Um, you know, he doesn't really have speed in, as a part of his game, but, you know, uh, an average power, you know, above average on base. That's a, it's a valuable piece, especially for, you know, five years, which is, which is what the Red Sox have uh, in terms of control there. And some outfield uh, versatility, too, right? That doesn't hurt. You know, he played uh, 60 in center, 61 in center, you know, and, uh, you know, 22 and 25, respectively, and left and right. That that always is uh, appealing yeah, to a manager as well, as long as you're able to learn the quirkiness of Fenway. That's the thing is Dodger Stadium doesn't really have that quirkiness. You know, you've got the low um, outfield wall on the, in, in the corners. But other than that, it's it's pretty standard. That's, of course, not to say that he hasn't played in quirky ballparks before. Anyone who's played in, in the minors anywhere has played in quirky ballparks. Um, you know, one of the things that made bets so, um, you know, certainly enjoyable from a fan's perspective is how well he played that, you know, really oddly shaped right field at Fenway Park. And uh, that's, you know, that's tough to do. You, you see a guy... Uh, you know, maybe come in from a, a different team in the you know a three-game series and, and get you know two starts there, and you can you can easily see the difference in you know how he plays the the ball off the wall, how the ball comes around the corner there, and the way the wall juts out um, you know by the by the pole and then shoots back out towards the bullpens, and you know Betts had that down uh, perfectly, and uh, you know so that there's there's value in that that is probably not going to be recouped, but then clearly the Red Sox weren't about putting the best player on the field and the best team on the field that that was secondary. So Matt, yeah, just to kind of uh, head in that direction. I think if you, if you're (laughs) isolating this trade, like if you're just looking at it and and saying, okay, a player is going to leave and Boston's shedding some salary and they're getting back a couple young players that they're going to have under control, a player like Verdugo who's already been pretty, pretty solid at the major league level. Like it's not, bad it's just it's hard to to get to that point when you look at it and say wow did boston really have to give up on on mookie bets like why why are they the type of team in the in that market with uh, a team that's been successful really recently why are they the type of team that needs to shed a bunch of salary i mean that's a great question i think you know I wish I could give you a complicated, you know, nuanced answer, but I think the the truth is sadly pretty basic, and it's money. You know, they they didn't want to pay uh, David Price's salary. They didn't want to pay uh, Mookie Betts what he wanted long term, and so this is the solution. Um, and it's a pretty tough one to swallow because you, you know, like you noted, this this isn't the guy you want to deal. I mean, I. I if if you were to make a list of the Red Sox players, you know, from least likely to want a deal to most likely, you know, Betts would be at the top of that list. He'd be the least, the last guy you'd want to trade. You know, um, I guess you could make an argument that you know maybe Raphael Devers because of his contractual status, but uh, you know, if you look at you know the the baseball landscape over the past five years since Mookie's come up. You know, he's been the second best player in baseball behind Mike Trout. And, um, you know, I guess you could say, well, maybe I don't believe in him going forward. He had, you know, a slightly down season last year, you know, at least for him. Um, but Which is funny you know, because a down season, season for him, you know, <laughs> a down season for him still puts him in the top five player in the big leagues, right? 
at least in terms right. of war. Right. Yeah, it was. So yeah, it was a step back from a ten a ten win season. Which, sure. You know, even even Mike Trout doesn't put together back to back ten win seasons, or at least he hasn't yet. Um, so yeah, it, it's a it's a really tough uh, you know pill I think for fans to swallow, and and with with good reason. Yeah, you know, and you know, Gino and I were talking about it. Gino just kind of hit on it a little bit. You know, I still don't understand, you know, luxury tax threshold. We're talking about $13 million over, you know, is, is the tax for, for 2019. For Boston, that that should be peanuts. And as, as Gino pointed out, you know, they sell out that ballpark. You know, Fenway Park has the most highest uh, ticket price in the land. Um, uh, to me, it seems like an excuse, you know, that this is kind of, yeah. you know, this is how we could go public with it. I, I, my question to you is this then. If this is kind of the regime, the new regime's philosophy, does that mean then that they're never going to sign a 350, 400, 425 free agent ever? Because if you were going to, Mookie Betts is the guy. You already have him. So does that mean yeah, that they I mean, won't? I, or does that only mean, well, only if we have uh, you know, a team that we believe in, then maybe we'd consider it. But right now we got to retool our farm system and spend our resources elsewhere. Yeah. I'm just not understanding it. I, it's a tough one to grasp. I'm, I'm with you, my friend. Uh, I, I think the answer is that they will spend, uh, but not if it's going to put them over the, uh, you know, the, the luxury tax threshold for a long period of time. Um, and, you know, if you, you look at the Yankees, uh, you know, they've been sort of cutting salary and cutting salary and, and getting younger, you know, that sort of dual process. And then they went out this, this off season and they, you know, they, they threw buckets and buckets of cash at, at Garrett Cole. Um, and I, I would imagine it would be something along those lines um, where, you know, you've got a good team that maybe has a hole in it somewhere and, you know, that help is available on the market and you're still going to be under the luxury tax threshold because otherwise like you said, this is the guy you want to sign long-term. And he's right here. He's wearing a Red Sox uniform. And you're going to give him his walking papers because it's going to put you over the luxury tax you know, threshold for, I mean, a year or two years or whatever it is. I'm, I'm totally with you, by the way, when you say that it's, a, you know, it's, it's just an excuse. I, I think that's dead on. Um, and you, you see teams throughout the league using this as an excuse to, to keep – uh, you know, player salaries low, and I think that's exactly what it is. You know, the the penalty is minimal. You know, relatively speaking, and um, so it's it's hard to go. Oh well, the Red Sox just traded a guy on a Hall of Fame path because they don't want to pay a seven million dollar um, you know tax when they have literally billions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, hey, we're up against a commercial break, but we got a couple of quick questions. And I know Gino probably wants to get into, you know, we've been focusing on the Boston side, uh, but maybe kind of what the Dodgers are getting back, the haul that they're getting back. Uh, quick question for you, though, is do you think in his heart of hearts, Betts wanted to stay in Boston? Because I'm just yeah, kind of not feeling all... that necessarily, outwardly at least. Yeah, no, he said so. Um, as recently as the day of the day before the trade, uh, he said that he's always wanted to stay in Boston. 
but he feels an obligation, I mean, probably to himself also, but, uh, you know, to, to other players to maximize his contract and, you know, lift other players up through that process. And that's, that's his right as, uh, you know, as a, as a major league baseball player in the union and under the collective bargaining, bargaining agreement. So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, if the Red Sox had offered him what he was looking for, or if they had offered him, you know, kept him on the team and then offered him the, highest, uh, you know, offer or, or something commensurate with the highest offer and, you know, during the, his free agency, he absolutely would have stayed in Boston. He didn't, he wasn't looking to leave Boston. So we've talked about it from Boston's side. What do you think, uh, how do you think the Dodgers did as far as what they got on this return and, you know, in their hopes to try to secure Mookie long-term, even if not, uh, they get back Mookie for this year and they get David Price and, and they're not going to have to pay uh, I think it's is it worked out to something like around half of of what David Price was was owed in his contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my understanding is that they're going to pay half of uh, Price's salary, so that you know they're getting David Price for sixteen million dollars a year, about. Um, and that's uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, the Dodgers make out like absolute bandits here. You know, they get the second best player in baseball. Um, you know, for a season, they get to show him why he should stay in, in Los Angeles long term, um, or not. You know, I mean, but they they have him. You know, for the for the season, um, you know, they have Price for the next three years, and Price is a is a good pitcher. He's not what he was in his prime, but he's he's a he's a good pitcher, especially um, you know when he's been healthy, when he's been dealing with you know some nagging injuries over the last couple years. Things have have been harder for him, which you know is understandable. <laughs> um, but I, no, I think when you look at what the Dodgers did, they, they got, you know, they got the best, um, you know, right fielder in baseball for their current right fielder. So that's an upgrade. Um, you know, they, they upgraded on, uh, you know, Kenta Maeda, um, with, uh, with David Price and they, they did it without going over the luxury tax, which threshold, which is obviously, a, you know, a big deal for some reason. Um, yeah. And uh, and without without uh, losing any of their their best prospects, I mean, wow. Last like question that. before makes we let you go. Makes me feel good. Makes oh, me feel I know. Good. Gino's yeah. just Mike, grinning ear I'm to ear right now. Crying now, and I can. I'm just loving this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got I got my Kleenexes right next to me. Gino's, uh, you know, grinning ear to ear. Uh, one one last question for you. Maybe a desperate hail Mary hope. Any way that this deal blows up. I mean, I, I guess it's possible, you know, if if there's really something wrong with with Gratterall and and you know you've got the you know the tw- the Twins as the third team in the in the deal, so uh, you know things get complicated there if if he's not a viable trade piece anymore. Um, but I, I don't think that ultimately it's going to change anything. I think you know I think Betts is going to be traded before the season starts. Um, you know, it, it seems pretty clear that he'll he'll be in you know los angeles um and uh you know that'll that'll be that i would i would be shocked if he were in any other uniform um you know to start the 2020 season matthew as always we definitely appreciate uh you know getting your insight uh, on uh, on the red sox and unfortunately you know i've been 
look, I've enjoyed it when when they were on the World Series run. N- not enjoying it when sure. they have a down 2019, and definitely not enjoying it when they unload my favorite Red Sox right now. Red Sox player, well, no longer. He's not my favorite Dodger player. <laughs> but uh, we hope to be able <laughs> yeah. to uh, talk to you when the Red Sox shock the world and uh, get off to a 20-10 and 10 start to the 2020 season. Absolutely. You got it, my friend. Thanks, Matthew. Appreciate it. Gino, let's take a uh, thank you. Let's take a quick commercial break and we'll come back, talk a little NFL and Super Bowl. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the, get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play by play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Big thanks to Matt for... uh... Sharing in the misery, right, Mike? And we're gonna we're gonna bring in uh, one of our next guests in just uh, in just one second. But just kind of like a, a last thought on this. I mean, I'm I'm pretty pumped, uh, you know, because we we get we get Mookie, but getting you know getting Price, I think is some is one that's really like underrated and understated. And, and anyone that was like thinking the Dodgers are expecting or needing a whole lot out of him, he, you know, he could kind of slot in 
just basically what, what Matt was saying, like fill the Maeda spot, like a number four starter. They're not going to ask him to, to make 30 starts. They're not going to ask him to throw like 200 innings. He, the Dodgers don't do that with even, you know, Bueller and Kershaw and any of their, and any of their like studs. He can come out of the bullpen and give him a little versatility. And Mike, I mean, he's going from the AL East to the NL West. I was just going to say that. I mean, look, man, man. He, he was a, a top three pitcher with the Rays. Definitely a top three lefty in the in the big leagues when he was with the Rays. Okay, so he had an outstanding Rays career. He came to Boston and had to deal with the American League East and won a World Series. Okay, he, and he beat was the a Dodgers. big reason. He, he was beat a big up the Dodgers. Yeah, he, and, he, and he was down. a big reason that they won the World Series. I think now, you know, this will be kind of in the back half of his career, nope, and you're going to find that he's going to be comfortable. He's going to be relaxed. He doesn't have the same pressure. Look, the Dodgers are huge out here. But it's not the same kind of pressure as when you play in Boston or New York. It's not even close. And, and I think he's going to be a really – man, yeah. man, I'm telling you, I honestly think he's going to – If you know, obviously, you preface anything when you're talking about sports if he stays healthy. He's an 18-game winner. He, That's he my just, prediction. He's an 18-game winner and with a very good, surprisingly good ERA and whip. Yeah, he's just in a good spot. He's going to slot in. You know, the Dodgers have Bueller and Kershaw at the top, and then they have a couple good young arms in May and Gonsolin who could slide in there. They And then they have a couple projects in Alex Wood, hoping for a bounce back year, and someone who's kind of forgotten about, Jimmy Nelson, who was a really good pitcher a couple years ago for the Brewers, and then yep. he kind of got hurt, and he's the type of guy that the Dodgers kind of take shots on and just kind of hope that, that you know, you get him into a real low um, floor type contract and, and maybe he comes out of the bullpen. So they're going to have again, like seven or eight different options to start games. And so price is never going to be, you know, just expected a, a whole lot. You want to keep this guy fresh and then give you a, like a nice left-handed arm to help you out in the playoffs. Someone who's now been there a few times. I, I liked it w- from both, man. I, 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 I really liked it. I was pumped. They didn't have to give away too much, too much of the prospects. I'm sad to see my Ada go. I'm sad to see Verdugo go, but I felt like they could have, they, they could have and should have had to give up a, a little bit more than that. Completely agree with you. And I guess a uh, last thought on it is this is kind of crazy, but if they had a kind of like a prop bet, who is going to get the most win on the wins on the Dodgers, you know, it, he's not somebody that I would need to get a hundred to one on to be able to take that wager. No. Sometimes for your number three and number four guys anyways, because they're going up against because they, they're typically the easier. Yeah, yeah. That they're, they're able to, you know, that's why you see a lot of guys on teams get 17, 18 wins, 16 wins, you know, from the three or four hole. So, um, yeah, I, I would probably only need, you know, five to one, eight to one. And uh, I wouldn't think it's the worst. Uh, wouldn't be wasting throwing away money. Anyways, you know, let's uh, let's talk a little football by somebody who obviously knows his football because not only did he win our NFL playoff pick'em contest, but he also won our fantasy league number two, and uh, that's grown in popularity. We may have to go to a, a three league format, and who knows? Maybe he would sweep he, them all because he's been that sizzling hot. I'm talking. He won about. the regular season and the playoffs and also, the playoff, which exactly. is not easy to do. Like you have a team a lot of the times that's good throughout the regular season. And then your team, you know, you have players yep. that are on good teams. They get buys, they sit out or they get a little bit hurt. It's tough to have a good team all the way through from the beginning to the it, end. Yep. Exactly. And right. Did. And he's also going to tell us a little bit about why, uh, why the fantasy league actually helped him win in the, uh, in the playoff pick em contest. Anyways, I'm talking about Will Fami. He's from uh, the San, the greater San Jose area, Bay Area guy, and I've known Will for a long time. And the last thing I'll say before I let him jump in is 
he's not a great Twitter follow because he doesn't utilize Twitter. But I've been banging on him to do so because he's got so many good picks and good opinions that he would get a lot of followers. So without further ado, Will. What's up, Will? Mike and Gino, how are you, buddy? Hey, guys. Hey, Mike. Hey, Gino. First of all, thank you guys for having me. Uh, really love living, listening to your show uh, week in, week out. So, you know, keep doing what you're doing, and thanks, thanks a ton for having me. And, yeah, it's been um been a really good year you know uh you know fantasy uh wise and football wise football betting wise i've I've definitely had a good year and um yeah kind of like what mike was saying about fantasy helped me with the playoffs because i had derrick henry in fantasy so i i watched a lot of tennessee a lot of tennessee and um going into the playoffs i rode them and i rode them pretty hard um i i picked them to beat new england and to beat baltimore and i money lined them both weeks oh Um, yes so that was uh, that was actually a, a big reason. But I thought the play- I mean, outside of Tennessee, I thought the playoffs was pretty formful and pretty easy to play. I think the biggest upset was Minnesota beating uh, the Saints in the first week, and that kind of killed me. But that was really the only game I got wrong. I actually got. Two but you know what? Wrong. Even got- when it is look, even when it is formful, it's still not easy, right? Because That's you true. always have that bug in your ear. Think you know. I mean, that, that's exactly what was happened with me. I mean, I did terrible because I'm like, you know what? You kind of have to go against uh, the form sometimes. And I know you're a long shot player, whether it's in, in horses or sports or money lines. Why was it that you were sold on the formful teams this time around? Well, uh, you're definitely right about the long shot player. I'm, I'm a value player. I never will money line a favorite. I mean, even if it's, you know, even if it's their three-point favorites, if I don't take the points, then I will not money line a favorite. Um, I, I, it's just one thing that I don't do. I'm always looking for value. So Probably for me, smart. the value was in, in Tennessee. Um, and then I thought all the favorites were good enough to cover, and, and they did. I thought the Niners were clearly the best team in the NFC, and they covered. I thought the Saints would have given them a shot, but the Saints couldn't even get past Minnesota. Um, and then Kansas City, you know, that they're covering against everything. So even when they're behind twenty points, true, true. So, I mean, they uh, what came back three games in a row uh, with the ten point deficit. Down. So yeah, I mean, can't can't, can't argue that one. Uh, are, yeah. So do you do you for we talked about fantasy? Are you do you do any uh, like DFS daily fantasy stuff too? Or are you or are you just more like a yearly fantasy player? <laughs> No, I, I, I've, I've toyed around with it. I'm not a big fan of it. So I just kind of do these fantasy leagues. Um, you know, Mike in, invited me to join your guys' league, so thank you very much for that. That was a lot of fun. Um, but I'm not as much into the fantasy betting. Maybe I should get into it a little bit more. I just like betting on football, just, uh, you know, straight football. I, I definitely look for the prices and, and try to find a good underdog uh, to money line. And that underdog for me in the playoffs was Tennessee. And I, and I oh, hit yeah. them both weeks. And yeah, what you no, mentioned, you, you you win you what you mentioned because I'm the same way. Like I'm I'm never gonna bet on a team that's your that's a chalk uh, a money line. I'm never gonna chalk money line a team. I'm, I'm just not gonna do that. I'm gonna look for a team that I like as a dog that's gonna get me getting a few points so that we can get some positive. Because it just you know what when you, if you're playing a lot and you're you're someone who's looking and how very difficult the NFL betting market is. It's like you don't really want to give you don't want to give away. You know, you take your even money. You don't want to give less than that. And I think you're you're good at, at at taking a positive. So, like, where do you start to play now when uh, when football's over? Are you going to be looking in and getting dipping into the XFL starting this weekend? I don't think I'm going to get into the XFL. Um, I like to dabble <laughs> a little bit in some basketball, but I definitely wait around for football season, and that's um, 
that's definitely by far but, where but I your do most of my betting, year round uh, both is college poker, and NFL. Right? Yeah, as you uh, can say, your, your mainstay, though, is, is poker. I do. I do. I do play a lot of poker on the side, um, and that's definitely my go-to in the gambling. Uh, you know, they kind of all intertwine. I mean, poker, horse racing, uh, sports betting. I mean, it, when you're in a casino, that all those people are, they're all playing kind of the same things. And, but uh, yeah, my, my definitely go-to is poker throughout the year. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a quick story, Gino, and to our listeners out there. So one thing that I learned a lot from Will in terms of, um, let's just say sports wagering, but more specifically horse racing. You know, a lot of people feel that, you know, you got to follow the sport year round, you know, and, and watch a lot of replays and do all those things, which you do have to do, right? You got to immerse yourself in, in horse racing. But Will has proved, shown to me and proven to me that sometimes coming in with a fresh, unbiased perspective is the right one. I can't tell you how many times he just said, give me the horses and let me construct the tickets. And he's come up with some dynamite stuff that I wouldn't have been able to come up with on my own. And he'll hammer them, man. I'm telling you, like, <laughs> real quickly, we were in Vegas <laughs> one time. And he, you know, we, we came up with a play at Arlington Park. He's like, I'm going to structure it. And he hit this trifecta for us. We split it. Ten times in each try was twelve hundred bucks, <laughs> and I was yeah. like, "This and this is somebody who probably hadn't played the races for six months prior to that." You know what I mean? So it's just kind of interesting when you get that fresh perspective uh, in terms of ticket construction and things of that nature. But I figured that'd be a story that you'd appreciate, Gino. Oh man, well, there's just so many people and that um, that spend hours and hours and hours handicapping and are good handicappers, but they just they they don't really quite get how how to gamble. Or what would be the how to maximize? Just like you're saying right there, um, people too many times I think get scared. You chuck in favorites that you don't really like to try to like save yourself, yes. and, and you just like that's where you start getting in trouble. And that's kind of what I've as you, you improve. You like you know you learn things as you get older and older. You're young and you think it's okay. Just let's pick the winner. And you know that's kind of what you're taught when you're young. It's like hey, we're just trying to get the winner of the race. And then you're starting to figure out well, no, you know what like. I can I can have a horse. They need to be this price. If they're not that price, I can have the winner and lose, and it's okay because they were too short of a price. You know, I don't I don't get mad at myself now. So, um, you, you seem like when we're talking about uh, betting and and how you handle your fantasy teams and just kind of uh, poker yeah. and everything, you definitely you definitely seem like you have the right mindset to to hit it big, right? Because you're not going to be able to hit often enough um, to really make it work if you're just kind of nickel and diamond. You got to wait, 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 and then cap capitalize. Yeah, and, and, and one of the things that Mike said about the Arlington race is, you know, you know, we hit that trifecta 10 times, you know, um, and it paid 1200 My whole point is a lot of times people would hit like the – with the favorite heavy, right? You put a couple hundred on the favorite. and mm-hmm. But it's like, well, if you like something as a favorite but then you like a long shot, why not hit it just as heavy as you would if a favorite? So then when it does come in, you kind of clean house. That's my exactly. whole thing because we've all gone home losers before. But when you, but the worst is when you have that long shot and you don't capitalize on it. And we've all been there. And it doesn't matter yeah. what venue you're in, whether it be poker, whether it be uh, horses or, you know, sports gambling. When you have that long shot and you don't take that shot or you don't hit it heavy, it's one of the worst feelings. And I've just really kind of retooled myself to always uh, look for value and hit it just like I would if it wasn't even money or even a three to five or whatever it may be. So... Yeah, and uh, just to add to that before we go to quick commercial break is, uh, you know, an example of what he's talking about, Gino, and for all the listeners out there is, 
you know, we'll we'll be at the races and, you know, we'll come up with a long shot, maybe 12 to 1, 20 to 1, whatever, doesn't matter. Uh, and, and he'll be like, OK, but can this horse really win or do you, do you like the favorite and and or, or, you know, a lower price runner? Right. And he'll come back, especially in some of these, maybe the, the shorter fields. And he'll go like favorite with the two logicals with the long shot in third 50 times. Right. Yeah. And then flip it around 50 times. So when he's talking about 200 on a win bet, he'll just now make it into a $50 trifecta instead. Sure. Sure. Right. And, and flipping it around. And, you know, um, I've, I've seen him hit those 50 times, 80 times. And I think, Gino, I think you hit it on the head. I think a lot of times we we kind of force ourselves in a corner because we're scared. You, you said the word scared. I think you're 100% right. Scared to leave the favorite out. I don't want to get knocked out, out some of the best, before, you know, yeah, that's the best, Some it's of the like, best advice that you ever gave me, and I know it, it's because you gave it to Todd Shrupp, actually, was not to be afraid to leave out the favorite. Because before you know it, it's really easy to have the favorite in all four legs. Yep. In a pick-four play, in a horizontal, and you're probably defeating the purpose and probably end up spending too much, and it's a wash. Uh, Will, can you hang on with us uh, for yeah. a few minutes after we take a commercial break? We can continue the combo. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Okay. Great. Stay with us. We will be right back. We'll keep talking. A little gambling barbershop type talk. Back in two. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on The Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here, closing things out on the Mike Abadir Show. Hanging out and uh, talking and uh, back and forth with our champion for fantasy football our champion for the playoff pick um and it's been quite a run for you this year so now as we we shift the focus out of the nfl you were mentioning 
horse racing, poker a little bit. So where are some of the racetracks that you, uh, you we talked, we heard the Arlington story as uh, you and Mike won a bunch of money uh, in, in Vegas partying a few years back. Where are some of the tracks you like to kind of hone in on? Well, I mean, uh, when I do go to the track, it's uh, it's, it's usually with Mike, so I'll go down south. Uh, Los Alamitos, uh, Santa Anita are always fun, um, you know, hanging out in the turf club there and just handicapping and you know, I, I actually I got to give credit to Mike. He's he's the better handicapper, and I just like he said earlier. I just kind of structure the tickets in a very aggressive manner, um, which when it comes in, it definitely you know pays off. So, but but I think you've always been you've always been good in, in some of the East Coast. You, you've always liked Aqueduct. I've noticed you've hit a lot at Arlington, and then and then kind of just honing in at Golden Gate. Is that? kind of a fair assessment as to some of the tracks that you're better at? Yeah, definitely those three. Uh, probably throw in Belmont as well. Um, True. But, uh, yeah, I, I do like the East Coast. I do like Aqueduct, Belmont, uh, Arlington, and, and then Golden Gate's been uh, been good to me as well. So, good call. Now, I know we, we, we have a lot of uh, poker listeners, but we don't talk ever poker, Gino, on my end because I don't, I don't know enough. So, maybe this would be an opportunity to spend a couple minutes what what are what are some of the games that you like to play in poker and uh, do you do do you just kind of go to the poker room and you know pick a table or do you go into tournaments kind of tell us a little bit about uh, your poker adventures and what you like to do well i you know with poker i think it's just like in any gambling i think everybody is good and you have to have respect off of that right away that everybody knows what they're doing and i think the key in anything whether it be horse racing poker or you know sports handicapping uh, the, the key is money management, um, because we, we've all won before, we've all lost before, and it's kind of when to draw that line, whether when you win, when to walk away, when you're losing, when to walk away before you kind of hit rock bottom, because too many times we've hit rock bottom. And that, that couldn't be more true than when you're playing poker. In poker, you really have to have a very strong mind for money management. Um, you know, I've done but Are you talking about like Hold'em, or like what are some of the uh, games... Like when people say they're going to play poker, what does that usually mean? Because I know there's a lot of different subdivisions. Yeah, I, I, that I mean, I, I would with. I would assume that it's a no limit hold'em. For me, that's what it is. Um, you know, a lot of people also are playing now. That's becoming popular is a pot limit Omaha or just Omaha High. But um, for me, it's always no limit hold'em. And that's uh, so. and that's same for tournaments as well. Yeah, same for tournaments as well. Um, I used to be a limit hold'em player uh, back in the day because Santa Clara County, where I live in, they didn't allow no limit hold'em, but now they do. So limit hold'em is where the limits are structured. There is no no limit. So if it's a twenty dollar bet, you can only bet twenty. That's the minimum and maximum. So Santa Clara County, Gino. I mean, what state do we live in with all these like archaic rules and regulations and and the CHRB and this county and that county? Horse racing, exactly. Horse (laughs) racing for sure. Oh man. So um, give us, give us like. So are you more playing online? Do you go different places? Do you like any tournaments? uh, Any big scores or fun stories? I'm definitely a live player. I've I've traveled uh, tournaments from uh, Northern Bay Area here, uh, you know, Bay 101, uh, Matrix, Lucky Chances. I've gone down south for the commerce, uh, the bike. I like Hawaiian Gardens a lot. Um, And then, you know, obviously in Vegas, there's so many from the Aria, Rio, Venetian. They always are having good tournaments. Uh, The Wind Classic just wrapped up. So yeah, there's you know I, I I I between California and Vegas, just kind of travel around from casino to casino when I get a chance, and 
you know, hopefully try to make some money. So, but it's, it's fun. It's just it, the hardest thing is it, it's very time consuming. Gotcha. Now, uh, because we all enjoy kind of, uh, you know, some leisurely gaming and that type of stuff. Uh, we got the March Madness coming up. We got the Kentucky Derby coming up. What are some things between now and football? I think Gino was kind of getting at that a little bit, but between now and football, what are some of the things that you're like most looking forward to? So right now, what I like to do is I want to watch the mid majors and then the mid the, the mid major um, uh, games coming up as they're trying to kind of get themselves in because though that's where you can make some good money in March Madness. Yeah. I think that's yeah. where the value. I think is. you're now talking Gino's language, mm-hmm. uh, big time. That's here. really where you're going to find a lot of value, and now's the time to watch them. What teams are heating up? You know, who are these no-name shooters? I mean, people for you know people forget. People, Steph Curry was Davidson, right? Nobody know, knew really who he was, but these are these are the type of uh, John Morant. Look what he's doing now. So you, this is the this is my time where I want to watch some of the mid majors, find some value, and then when they knock off one of these, um, you know, top ten teams, and I think Gonzaga is actually very vulnerable, um, and I think they're number two. It it seems like it's just an extremely wide open year. Especially towards I the top, agree it, just, with you more. It, it does not seem like there's anybody that I trust. Like there's, there's probably twenty teams right now that you could say, like you could build a case for. When normally, you know, there's maybe three or four. It just felt like early in the season there was a like a a point of like five or six weeks in a row when every time a team became the number one team, they would immediately lose, <laughs> like the number one ranked team in the polls, and they would just lose again. And I know just out here, as far as the Pac-12 is concerned, it's wide open. It, this, it hasn't been strong the last few years, but it just feels like all all across the country, it's wide open. And that w- that's fun, and, and that makes it a little more fun because, you know, you're talking about those, you know, 12-5 matchups or maybe 11-6 yeah. matchups or maybe, uh, you know, a team that can win a game or two, you can, pl- you can play them, and they can, you know, really help your bracket or, you know, uh, you, you play them money line in those first couple days. O- honestly, even if you're not as huge of a college basketball fan, those are my two... I think my two favorite days of the year, they're on my top five, that, that first Thursday and Friday of uh, when we have oh, 16 games so going exciting. on, it and starts you know, at nine. Yeah, you mentioned Pac-12. I mean, Oregon's supposed to run away with it. They just lost to Stanford. They should have lost to Cal. And this is supposed to be, you know, the best in the West, right? So it's, it's SC took them to overtime, be, too, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be very interesting. And I think a lot of these mid-majors are going to knock off some of these top five seeds. Um you know, I definitely think this is the year. I mean, you always get the twelve-five, but I think this is a year where you're going to get a thirteen-three um, and potentially a fourteen, even beating a two. So, um, I agree with you. I think it's a very wide open year. Good stuff, Will. Uh, just uh, for uh, the road here, in case uh, you do end up getting a little more active with, with Twitter, maybe you could let okay. the listeners know how they could follow you and uh, give us maybe a pre-early football pick for next year in terms of a dark horse team that you think is on the up? Okay, so dark horse team that's on the up. I'll give you a real, real dark horse team. Um, I think the Detroit Lions, if Matthew Stafford is healthy, I mean, he was playing, you know, not MVP caliber, but he was playing tier one quarterback caliber before he got hurt. Um, you know, Matt, uh, they, Matt Patricia, they lost a couple early games. They got tied. But they, they actually were playing pretty well. 
And I think that's a team that could sneakily kind of get into the playoffs, and they're going to get a, they're going to be dogs those first couple weeks of the season. And I, I think they're going to cover or win those games outright. I mean, mind you, we're seven months away, but that's a, that's a, that's a, I think I'd I'd say that's a pretty good long shot to start with. How about that? That's intriguing, nice. Ed, you know. I kind of nice. like it. Yeah, I kind of like it. Yep, it seemed like they were buying into Patricia a little bit too last year. They 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 were a team that like a, a lot of the analytics websites, which is really funny. Coming into the season, they uh, Football Outsiders actually projected um, Detroit to win their division it, with like in like a really wide open, and they were like one of the only teams that you kind of looked at and scratched your head a little bit. And they should have beat Kansas City. Remember they had earlier yeah. in the year. Oh, yeah. They should have yeah, well, beat Green well, Bay. They that, got screwed in, by Green in the refs in that Green Bay game. They actually got screwed by the refs in the Kansas City game too. They had like back to back weeks where they they should have, and that kind of that really hurt their season. And then they had the big game against Minnesota where they lost, and it felt like that was kind of. And, and then obviously Stafford got hurt, but they they weren't far away from being much no. much better than they finished. No, they got those back-to-back uh, hands-to-the-face call against Green Bay that cost them the yeah. game, and then they got another, I think it was another maybe hands-to-face against the Kansas City that, you know, don't like to blame the refs, but that's kind of why I picked Detroit. They hung with Minnesota, hung with the, um, Green Bay, and hung with Kansas City. So, nice pick. I, I like stuff. that. I, I like, I like that. the pick. Well, and, well, real quick, what's your Twitter handle, uh, Will? Uh, it's at uh, Fami underscore Will. So that's F-A-H-M-Y, my last name, and then underscore Will. Awesome, man. Well, you've been great, and man. You I will a great try to get a little voice. more active on Twitter for you, Mike, but I will send you the pics <laughs> as well. If you want to go ahead and share them, you are more than welcome to. Absolutely. Great, good stuff man. there, man. Thank you. Keep you up the job. role, thanks, man, Will. on everything that you're doing. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Gino. Thanks, Mike. Keep awesome, up your man. job, dude. I love, love the show. Thank you. Appreciate that, man. Well, good stuff there, Gino. Yeah, we he's only great, have a, man. He's good. Yeah, he's good he is one, good. Yeah. He knows what he's talking about. And um, and like I said, he, he brings a good perspective into uh, whatever wagering platform, you know, your, or, or arena that you're uh, talking about, you know. Um, yeah, and, he, and he makes it count, man. The money management, but also just kind of like making the dollar go a little bit farther. It, you know, you're, if you're going to walk out of the track with zero, you know, with nothing in your pocket, you might as well have swung, taken some good cuts. I guess that's kind of the best way to put it. But hey, real quick, Gino, I, I feel like I had a little bit of redemption, right? Because I had such a crappy football season in terms of picks. The over on sacks, over on a- INTs, nice. it was very had- comfortable. And also, the uh, you know, I said Kansas City in double-digit blowout fashion. I don't feel the game was a blowout, but the s- result was. I did the same thing. I had a... Mahomes, remember I said Mahomes yep. first touchdown. That was fourteen to one. Exactly, yep. he rolled out and he's got the he scored the first touchdown at fourteen to one. And I played Kelsey and uh, and Hill, and so of, of them, he was the longer price of them. We had San Francisco to score first. We had uh, the team that scored first would not win the game because yep. Kansas City came back, which was exactly we had Tyreek Hill over in the receiving yards, which was really good. So I think we both we, we saved we the best for momentum. Last. I was gonna say we yeah, got some momentum. I was following. Yep, I was following all of your plays, and I was like, you know what? It was probably by far yep. the I best the uh, picks that we gave out all year. Jimmy G's under. He was twenty. Ex- I think exactly. I said he could go twenty for thirty, and he went twenty yep. for thirty-one, and he was under the twenty-one. It's funny when it's like that. So we felt good ending the season. At least we can we can puff our shoulders a little bit heading exactly, into next week. Exactly. Exactly. Some momentum going into the twenty twenty season, right? Great. And now Anyways, we have derby prep and NBA yeah. stuff to focus on. It's a it's a fun time. So we'll we'll got, start got talking some horse racing next few weeks. 
Absolutely. Well, that's all the time we had. Fun show. We'll uh, obviously revisit the uh, Mookie Bet situation come next week and probably integrate a lot more baseball and horse racing over the next few weeks. As always, thank you for listening. Have a tremendous sports weekend. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.